census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rail, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, or if you're somebody I work with on set, just call me PJ. That's what everybody calls me, although sometimes people call me TJ. I don't know why. Uh, and only a couple of people have asked me uh, what PJ actually stands for. Uh, but we are brought to you here uh, on the Dorkening Network by Deadly Grounds Coffee. And once you go deadly, you never go back because Deadly Grounds is the fucking best. But I'm not here by myself. I am here, as always, with my co-host in life and my co-host on the show. She is <gasps> the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of uh, the... Nope, nope. The Real Housewife, Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes Von Nightmare. Please don't kill me. I want to be in the sequel. Oh, yeah. Sequels are sequels are good. Sometimes. But are they? Sometimes. Are they really? Yes. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, you may have noticed a bit ago we posed the question on Facebook. What, in your opinion, is uh, your favorite... Or which horror franchise has the best sequel, in your opinion? Um, and we're going to talk about that uh, after the break. But we're going to start off by talking about something that is near and dear to us, something that uh, we were very excited to participate in, uh, Monster Expo and horror conventions in general. Horror conventions are something that have, I should say conventions in general, you know, kind of started solely as Comic-Cons. Um, no, in, like way back, it was like Star Trek conventions. I was going to say, yeah, but like, you know. Uh, Just to meet celebrities and give them another source of income, those poor, poor celebrities. <laughs> yes. <laughs> should we get that uh, Sarah McLaughlin song in the background, you know? <laughs> in the arms of an angle. Yeah, Wait, angel. Every... I spelled it wrong on my notes <laughs> that I don't have. Every dollar that you pay for a celebrity's autograph goes right into their pocket, and these celebrities need it. Uh but it started, you know, yeah, like you said, with with Star Trek conventions, giving people a chance uh, to Comic Cons, their... usually in these larger cities, giving you know people, uh, like minded people, an opportunity to you know get together and meet each other and kind of just partake of the same stuff. Yeah, it was you know when you didn't have like the Star Trek conventions and whatnot, you had stuff like. You know, some of the stories that we've talked to people about, like, oh, I could have met Mr. T at the mall, or like the time I met Jimmy Superfly Snooker at a subway in Worcester. <laughs> um, or like, you know, one of the stories from, uh, 
I think it was Rhode Island Comic Con from a couple of years ago when I talked to uh, the wrestler Christian, and he talked about meeting uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at a car dealership in in uh, Toronto. You know, like so instead of having like. It's like, oh, we had a huge line. This was great. You know, nobody bought any cars, but like hundreds of people came to see Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So instead of doing that, somebody got the idea, why don't we get like all of these people, put them in a single building, charge so much money to get in, and then charge more money for people to get autographs. And people will stand in line forever in order to do that, and they'll pay us for the privilege. Like, let's do that. And then we'll have, like, people selling, like, kitschy shit all over the place. So Little tchotchkes and stuff. Tchotchke schmears. Uh, yeah, and, and it really... Violet tchotchkes? Yes, violet tchotchkes. And it's kind of expanded. So you can find a convention pretty much everywhere. You know, Monster Expo was in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. I have some feelings like, about the hotel Like, venue. Like, who goes to Fairhaven, Massachusetts? Not you know? me, if I can help uh, it. Right, Ex- exactly. Uh, you know, and, and, and these conventions span all of these different genres. And, you know, uh, horror conventions have become something that are near and dear to our hearts. And I think it's because it's, uh, a, a, some of the nicest people you will ever meet in your life, really. Some of these horror actors, uh, the different vendors, the people who, you know, just go and you know patrons and stuff like it's some of the nicest fucking people that you will ever meet in your life yeah yeah i think that's that's been my experience is going to horror conventions um has produced like some of the best friendships that we have um and you know like what you were saying about like having a bunch of you know there's all kinds of different cons like you know there's you know the retro gaming world or retro world game i don't know the the like retro can... gaming con but some of them you have lots of different genres like Rhode Island Comic Con is a huge con and you can go no matter what your fandom happens to be like there's going to be someone there that represents your fandom mm-hmm. like you know they have the wrestlers they have you know all the different TV shows um yeah it's it's not like specifically horror or action but like They'll be horror actors. Oh, so it's, a, it's an amalgamation of a bunch of these different genres, and like you said, regardless of your fandom, it's almost like a cro- you know, like a potluck, a yeah. potluck fandom. Well, you'll you have know? people who've done multiple things, like you know, for exa- example, if you know, like this year, Carl Weathers is there, so you can be like, oh, I loved Carl Weathers as Action Jackson, or I loved him in The Predator, or I loved him in Rocky, I loved him in The Mandalorian, like. That's a whole lot of, or I loved him in Happy Gilmore. Like, there's a whole lot of different fandoms kind of overlapping right there, you know. So like they have, they have these acts. Sometimes it's you know like Hayden Christensen or Ian McDiarmid. It's like okay, you're there because Star Wars. Gwendolyn Christie, you're there because Game of Thrones. But like a lot of these, especially the voice actors, you know, Tara Strong, you know, who has done fucking all kinds of different genres uh as far as voice acting you know uh when we went to uh terrificon you know maurice lamarche or some of the comic book artists like there's a lot of uh eclectic groups there and it's not just uh you know the horror celebrities but it's also like hey my friend's an artist and has a booth at this place like at monster expo you know uh ocular deceptions had a booth 
right next to it came from the 508, which was right next to Happenstance Horror Fest, which ended up being where we showed up because we were originally put out right next to the entrance, which you might think would be good. I felt like one of those, you know, like the people greeters at Walmart. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that was Dick Cheney as a Walmart greeter. Yeah, because we had all our podcast stuff set up, laptop, you know, throw down Thursday podcast and like dorkening, dorkening banner, this huge dorkening banner that Leo got. And everyone kept coming up and giving us their tickets. And it's like, we are not the check-in table. The check-in table is two tables down. Why? The check-in table isn't here. You know why? It's because we were supposed to have power, and this one just happened to be next to a power outlet. So they just threw it. Like, they didn't run a cable somewhere. They just, hey, you paid to have power. So we were there for the first half of the day, and we couldn't go live because the Wi-Fi was atrocious. So we couldn't even go live, which is why we had the power in the first place. So we ended up hanging out. Uh, George Frazier was like, we don't need this whole huge table. Come hang out in our table. Which was great because we got to be with our friends in, like, the main room. And there was air conditioning in there. Oh, yeah. It was so nice. much cooler. Instead of being, you know. It, uh, it's des- been, despite being in the middle of October, was it was a say, million it's degrees. It's unseasonably warm here in New England as far as October goes. Although the last couple of days, it has been torrential it, it rain. feels like fall, finally. feels like fall in London. Uh but yeah, it, you know, so so there was uh, you know some some blips, some glitches, you know, like especially this being a first convention. several people getting food poisoning. Well, I mean, I wasn't you. going to get into the the fantastic time that I had with my friend E. coli, uh, but you know, there were some hiccups, there were some not so fun parts. But focusing on the fun parts. Um, you know, it was a, it, overall it was a really good time. Yeah, we you got know, to see my, our friends. My favorite thing about going to conventions is, you know, especially this convention in particular, because you know, like we mentioned before, this was our first convention back in almost two years. Yeah, and some of these people, some of our friends, we haven't had the opportunity to see in almost two years because, you know, going into conventions, selling our wares, uh, you know, promoting whatever we're promoting, you know, obviously we're usually there promoting the dorkening and our podcasts and, you know, uh, helping to support other people. Um, you know, our, our paths usually only cross when we're at conventions, because you know it's it's a great place for us all to be in one place at one time. Some of some of us live you know far away from each other, and it's not always convenient to get together on the weekends. It gives us an excuse to get together and have the opportunity to party a little bit. Yeah, and you know because it was Ash's birthday weekend, uh, I sprang for a suite instead of just a room with two double beds. So we had a ton of people in the room, including. Two random people we had never seen before. I they, they knocked on the door. I answered. Well, they, were, they were like, "Hey!" And I was like, "Hey!" They were they were invited. Come on in. Alyssa I mean, invited it worked them. out because you made a new friend. Yes. And a valuable contact. And not in only your that. New, uh, well, not only that. Working environment. Uh, she's this young lady named Jen who just had a birthday last week. So happy birthday, Jen. Um. Not only does she work in the industry, um, 
you know the the movie industry and like like I'm some fucking Hollywood big shot. You know uh, the movie industry. Not only does she work in pictures, uh, <laughs> but apparently she's friends with a bunch of our friends. You're friends with my friends because we saw her Saturday night, and then when I saw her again on Sunday. She was talking with Brandon because she and Brandon have known each other for years. Br- powerful Brandon. Like, fucking crazy. I actually sent her the picture of, because it popped up on my Facebook memories of when Brandon dressed as me for Halloween. And I was, and she was like, oh my God, that's so amazing. And somebody else that knows Brandon and Alex and Dara and all those folks is working with me on this, uh, on this new, new film. And, uh. I showed her those pictures, and she thought they were fucking amazing. It was awesome. I love it when the world seems so big, and then all of a sudden, it's so small. I know, but I have to. I, every time I tell the story, I'm like, oh, do you know this person? Like, do you know Jen? Oh, yeah, I know Jen. Jen's awesome. Yeah, she ended up in my hotel room, like, randomly. And it's like, let me provide more context. <laughs> Because that makes it sound like I'm a creepy Not pervert. Not like that. No, like uh, we, she argued with uh, Jimmy Lambs and uh, Bill the Turkey Baster Kurbinski, I mean uh, Ryan <laughs> from uh, That Strange Show with his epic Chicago Bears Bill Swirsky super fan Dubbers. mustache. Uh, like that was, I mean, granted the restaurant wasn't the best, but like, and he's going to be mad for me, at me for telling the story because every time I get the chance, I also post the picture because we actually watched uh, Bill Swirsky super fans on YouTube on the terrible TV that was in uh, our room. But uh, And I got a picture of him sitting there on a chair and like on screen is Norm, Mac- uh, Norm MacDonald. Uh, George Went, who played Norm, Norm. from Cheers. Um, and they look like they could be related. But we're... <laughs> We're in the restaurant, and everybody's getting different stuff. And Ryan had ordered fried chicken skin and what looked like a skillet full of cheese. And George offered him, he's like, hey, do you want to try a piece of pizza? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll try a piece of pizza. I had pizza. It was good. It was Hawaiian, you know. It had pineapple and bacon. And Ryan looks over. He's like, oh, do you want a piece of pizza? And Ryan's like, what's on it? And he's like, well, it's a Hawaiian. He goes, is there bacon on it? And he's like. He's like, yeah. He's like, no, 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 no bacon. I'm like, excuse me. Like, uh, that's that's the fucking like line of demarcation. Like the skillet full of melted cheese and literal fried chicken skins. That's not even the best part of that dinner, though. Wrapping up the leftovers, he, he was, took the skillet. Well, he was like, how am I supposed <laughs> to get all the cheese out of this? It's like, fuck it, take the skillet. And he's like, all right. And he took the skillet. And apparently he was hammered because the next morning. He wakes up and he's like, why the fuck is there a skillet in here? (laughs) (laughs) It was the best thing. He didn't remember anything. I was sending him the pictures and he's like, what? He's like, I don't have any context for this. I'm like, really? That's the best. Now we get to tell the story all over again. Uh, But no, it was very funny. Um, And we had an amazing time. So it was uh, Ryan and Mandy from That Strange Show. We had uh, Jimmy Lambs. Uh, we had Erica from... Um, and Dan from It Came From The 508. Yep. And she's from Spooky Social Spooky Club. Spooky Social Club. That's what I was trying to remember. It's been... Yesterday I worked 6.30 in the morning until 10, and today I worked 6.30 in the morning until 10. So it's been a long 
long couple of days. Um, tomorrow I don't have to be until ten forty-five. Oh, oh. Um, sleep in. Yeah. Um, who else was there? Alyssa. Alyssa was up there. I was there. Hi. Well, yeah, we were there. I mean, it was our room. It would be weird if we weren't there. Um, and then Jen. Jen and uh, Hyena guy. Yeah. Apparently, he's like a furry and like he was super obnoxious. Like, I know I can be obnoxious, but this dude was like trying really hard to seem cool. And like, it's one of those tell me you have a tiny dick without telling me you have a tiny mm. dick. He had a gun tattooed on his forearm. It's like, all right. Awesome. But like, he tried really hard. He's, I, he kept saying something about renting out the entire top floor of the hotel, and I was trying to figure out what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah, it's neither here nor there. Yeah. He left, and we still had a fabulous time without him. Uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to kind of be back in the swing of things a little bit. You know, I don't even trying know his name. to trying to be safe about it. You know, obviously not going to every convention quite yet. Uh, I don't think my anxiety can handle that right now. <laughs> no, but we did. We did. Uh, but you know, uh, Monster Expo was. You know, it was a decent sized convention. I think for a first year, it did a pretty good job you know obviously there are several kinks that they need to work out but overall you know we all had a, a, a pretty a pretty good time I mean minus you know the the food point nothing like thinking you're hungover and then all of a sudden like reenacting a scene from the exorcist oh yeah it was it was uh, yeah it was a rough day yeah and so I even mean, when we got back to the room that's why I'm glad we had Reagan it till Monday ain't got nothing on me like her her pea soup yeah no Nothing. But yeah, we had a we had a good a good uh, a good weekend. Overall, it was pretty good. Um, it could have been better. There were certain things that I would have liked to uh, to. But have we improved. did meet some fabulous people. We made some fabulous contacts and kind of uh, had a chance to. Yeah, we made some new friends. Had a chance to talk to some people we haven't had a chance to speak with. Uh, for quite some time, um, you know, and then who's to say that some of these people will end up on the show eventually? And I hope they do, because there are uh, some awesome people. Um, there are some awesome people that we met, and I can't wait until, like, we get to see them again and hopefully work together. So there's a chance that we might be uh, at Rhode Island Comic Con. That would only be for a day. We may be going. We haven't made a decision as to as to that yet. Um, and we, we will do have be. Passes. We do. Yes. Um, we will be at Super Mega Fest. Yeah, we're gonna get a room for that weekend. That is, I've at never had the a room there. Sheridan in Framingham. Uh, November 19th, 20th, and 21st. Correct. And Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That is shaping up to look like a good time as well. So Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited for, for that. And, and uh, that's going to be it for us for conventions for the year. Well, I mean, like, typically mid-November is when they wind down anyways. Well, I'm also Not gonna, a lot happens, you know, around the holidays. I'll also be wrapping on the current movie that I'm working with that week. So I'm going to, following week, I'm going to start looking for... You know more. Hopefully, I'll have something concrete before then, but we'll see. But yeah, so I think this is a good place to take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna start talking about sequels with a little help from you folks at home. Huh. I really want to caffeinate myself and others and support small businesses. 
but without having to put pants on. <sighs> I wish there was a way to do that. I know. I'll ask Reflexa. Reflexa, what can I do to caffeinate myself along with others and support small businesses without putting on pants? Here is a targeted ad based on my constant surveillance of your thoughts and actions. Wait, what? Are you looking for a way to caffeinate yourself and others and support small business without having to put on pants? Well, then head on over to DeadlyGroundsCoffee.com. Deadly Grounds Coffee has smooth, rich flavors to satisfy the cravings of everyone on your list. From traditional flavors like pumpkin spice and French roast to more daring flavors like Hell's Fury, Highland Zombie Grog, Day of the Dead Roast, and Witch's Brew. And now, for a very limited time, you can try Butch Patrick's Dragula Dark Roast. Butch Patrick is known around the world for his role as TV's Eddie Munster, and when we deadly grounded him at a horror convention, he became such a big fan of our coffee that he hand-selected one of the roasts to make his very own. With most of the conventions on hold, Butch made available a limited supply of his Dragula Dark Roast, named after one of the coolest cars in television history. Personally autographed for our Deadly Grounds coffee fans, it's a delicious roast, silky smooth with a sweet finish. Perfect for any time of day and great for the coffee and Butch fans on your holiday shopping list. This is only available while our limited supply lasts, so hurry and get yours today. This holiday season, it's time to get a little deadly. Go on, you deserve it. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Halloween. We've been trick-or-treating. Are you alone? There's a creepy man in a white mask. Where? And he keeps, like, trying to play hide-and-seek with us. Where did you see him? Look! Run! Go home now! set the fire. No one told you. <laughs> told me what? Michael Myers is alive. A man couldn't have survived that fire. Forty years ago, the boogeyman came for us. We are the survivors of Michael Myers. Lori, what do we do? We fight. Mom, our family will kill him. We're gonna hunt him down and we're gonna put an end to this. He is not gonna stop killing until we stop him. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. He's coming for me. 
but I'm coming for him. back that uh random trailer that i threw in because we were talking about sequels and mentioned it earlier that was the trailer for halloween kills the final trailer you know uh we mentioned this before a couple of episodes ago how the horror community can be really uh divided when it comes to certain films and this is definitely one of those films that has the horror community divided not as divided as malignant but a lot i would say more people lean towards this was trash than this was really good i mean i will give it props um i won't no no so here's the thing i actually i i liked the last halloween installment 2018 2018 yes i i really enjoyed that i did too um you know uh any opportunity that we get to see Laurie Strode kick ass. Yeah. I mean, Jamie, which is what I, made this so much worse. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I really do. I think she is a fantastic actor. She has had a really colorful and interesting career. That scene in True Lies rivals the snake dance from Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah. Well, especially when doesn't she hit her head? She falls. She, she falls slips. over. Yes. She slips. Yeah, she slips. And gets right back up like it never happened. <laughs> um. Um, but but yeah, I, I mean, so I had high hopes and you know, we didn't see this had the opportunity to to watch this right away. Um, so we saw people, you know, take to social media and give their opinions and you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. An opinion is like an an opinion is an opinion. The only opinion that should matter is yours. So you know it's great to um, it's great to to read you know, and listen to other people's opinions. But at the end of the day, if you want to see something, watch it. Watch Make it for up your yourself. Own damn mind. Right, exactly. Don't let other people dictate what you what you do. So you know, I, I saw uh, quite a few people who didn't like it and then i saw a few people who did so i said you know okay i'm still i'm i'm gonna give it a shot like i i, I want to see this uh i will the name is fantastic halloween kills me no i think i think it's fantastic I, th- I think that's a really good idea so i had three major issues with this first one somehow paul rudd grew up to be anthony michael hall <laughs> yeah that is that is a major issue that's the first yes. problem i had and i texted several people and i was like huh how's that work second issue i had the whole 2018 film centered around how it's not supernatural he's just a guy there's nothing special about him he's just a guy who's crazy and he just wants to kill people there's nothing supernatural about him and then they were like you know what 
Let's forget any of that happened. Supernatural bitches. Oh, you got shot 700 times? That's okay. His shirt's not even going to rip. And the third thing, the third thing that really bothered me is something that you brought up. Watching Laurie Strode kick ass. You set up, take this whole movie, and Laurie, yeah, she's the best. Oh, she she spent 40 years preparing for this exact situation. And then, like, you see her in the hospital. She's all fucked up. And then she finds out that he's still alive, and she's, like, grabs this random needle and, like, stabs herself, you know, this random morphine needle. She's like, it's going to take the pain away, and then never does anything. She gets taken out by some random fucking extra dressed as a doctor. Yeah. Uh, Not Lori, taken out and killed, but... Lori Strode has absolutely zero screen time with Michael Myers. I think that was the most disappointing thing out of the entire film. Imagine, for, for me, anyway. Imagine if they, they, were make, they made the, the, the most recent Terminator movie, and they're like, oh, it's Linda Hamilton, she's back, she's kicking ass, and the whole time she was just kind of like sitting in a hotel room eating chips. And there was, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but there was one death that I thought was a complete waste because I thought that they could have done more with this character. Yeah, there's a few of them like that, um, but yeah. But you know the one I'm alluding to. Yeah. Uh, and it would, I mean, that was, uh, that was a big disappointment too. Um, I did like some of the kills though. Some of the kills I, I mean, were so, great. I mean, some of the, th- it was just like... He, some scenes were just absolutely fucking ridiculous, and I, I mean, oh. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. As yeah, well, like the, oh, the, the over-the-top kill I ju- scenes. I, ju- I just thought of another thing that really irritated the shit out of me. But when he takes out the entire fire department. Yeah, because you know, you know what firefighters are known for? Coordinated fight scenes with axes. Because you know how firefighters, when they see somebody walk out of a burning building, the first thing they do is, like, rev up saws and, like, charge at them with axes? You know, like firefighters? You know, that's how firefighters act? Uh Uh-huh. You know, like, that's usually the way that goes? Mm -hmm. Hey, that guy's walking out of a burning building. All right, let's get our axes ready because we're going to fuck this guy up. You know, like firefighters do. Uh Uh-huh. That irritated. It's like that's so. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. It dumb. was a. It was a fun scene to watch, though. But it it was it was dumb. It, they... it was dumb. But here, how many of these slasher films? Right, but have this... these no. big no. dumb kill no. fight scenes? No, here's where it's different, because they just spent the entire previous installment. How it's not a supernatural thing. He's just a dude. And, you know, he can be killed. Like, he's obsessed with with Laurie, but it's not his sister. But maybe it is, but it's not. But he's going to go after this guy, and he's going to kill that guy. And, you know, all this stuff. But, like, there's nothing supernatural about him. And then they're like, remember how we said all that stuff? No. Good. Neither did I. Like, he walks out of a burning building. First of all, I don't know how he got from the basement up through the floor that collapsed. I don't know how he did that, but he did. Uh, And the side of his mask is a little melted. Like, there's no flame or fire damage on any of his clothes. Like, 
Like uh, that's like the See, least believable thing for me. I'm f- again, I'm fine with suspension of disbelief. I've said it a thousand times. Stick by the fucking rules that you come up with. And the whole point of rebooting this series and ignoring all the sequels is because it was ridiculous and didn't make any sense and it got way off fucking track. Like, oh, he's part of a cult? Okay. Oh, he passed on his, you know, the the, the guy that was stalking Michael and inducted him into the cult in the first place. Like, all that shit. They're like, oh, that's wacky. And then they decided... Nah, it's all right. We're going to just go right back to that crazy shit again. I mean, I did enjoy the fact that they, you know, made callbacks to some of the other films, brought back, you know, so you made the comment that Paul Rudd grows up to be Anthony Anthony Michael Michael Hall. Hall. Uh, But they did bring back a lot of these original actors for some of these other roles. Like, that was Kyle Richards who played Lindsay. Yes. In... The first one, yeah, there was there was a couple, you know, uh, you the know nurse I mean? from so, the second one, yeah. So I mean, and you know, they they did a nicely, uh, a nice little homage to uh, Halloween three, yes, which we're gonna talk about shortly. Um, but yeah, it, it's so that's a great segue into some of the sequels because generally a sequel will build off of what came before it. And, you know, sort of expands on the mythology as opposed to completely contradicting it, which is what this did. So uh, you have a list on your personal page, and I have a few on yes, the Throwdown so, Thursday page. Like I said, about a week and a half ago, we reached out on these social medias and asked, in your opinion, which horror franchise has the best sequel? Bonus points for including why. And... A lot of you friends reached out and gave your answers, and I love you for that. So we're just going to dive right into it. I just want to, I think we have uh, one specific franchise that has multiple entries, uh, being the Alien franchise. Well, I mean, a couple of people mention it, but I, you have nobody, couple, nobody, on, nobody on my end well, mentions two, it. Two people in uh, both Lori from Geektopia and uh, author Steve Van Sampson. Both said uh, Alien, because Aliens is widely considered one of the greatest sequels of all time, along with Terminator 2 and uh, The Empire Strikes Back, and you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody who disagrees. So I just wanted to throw that out, because two people picked the same one. So what have you got on uh Well, I mean, I definitely have to say uh, I completely agree with that. Aliens is... It's not better than Alien, but it's definitely on par. It's with not Alien, better or worse. Which it's different. You don't usually find. Typically, the sequel is. If you have a good sequel, it's usually pretty good, but not as good as the first. Yeah, it's very and rare that aliens something like that happens. found a way to take the original subject matter and expand upon it even more, but in a believable way. Right. You know, instead of one alien stalking, you know, a mining crew. It's a whole colony of aliens against, you know, an elite space marine squad, you know? So it was a little more believable, you know, because they had better weapons, they were better equipped, better trained, you know? So 
having just one alien coming through and pick them off would be a little it'd be a little terminatory you know and again uh you mentioned terminator 2 uh i this might be uh not a popular opinion, but I believe Terminator 2 is better than Terminator. That's not an uncommon sentiment. Um, I think it gives definitely I gives mean, you, especially for the time Sarah that it came Connor out. Connor is such a fucking bad. I'm like, she's a badass in the first one. No, like, she's not. She's a but, waitress. But, well, so she's like, she's kind of a badass in the first one. Uh, but she is such a fucking badass well, in the second film. Well, she takes everything that she learned. You find out that she's taken everything that she learned from Kyle and seeing everything with her own eyes because she doesn't really do much until like sort of like the very end of the movie when she has no choice um, and then takes that and like does everything she can to turn John into a military leader you know it's and it's weird because John's supposed to be 10, but the movie takes place seven years after the first one. It's weird. Forget about the timelines. It's kind of like Halloween. In the credits, there's six-year-old Michael Myers and 18-year-old Michael Myers, but mm-hmm. they say that it specifically happened 15 years later. So if he was six, 15 years later, he's not 18. He's 21. But yeah, watch the credits. Also, Loomis shoots him seven times. Um but yeah, so what what have you got on your list? So our buddy Kaylee, Kale's from the Crypt, uh, said Psycho 2. They took a classic, they took a director you shouldn't try to be, and they knocked it out of the park. Perfect combination of continuing story slash new story while beautifully weaving in cinematography on par with the original. Also... A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Oh, yeah, that's my list. A film that specifically targeted the group of misfits who collectively represent horror fans while breathing life back into the franchise. Yeah, I 100%. That's one of my favorite sequels of all time. What are you, Dawkins? I've seen Dawkins. I've seen them perform that song. That's pretty awesome. um, They also do another one, too. I forget what it is. In my dreams, la 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 la. I don't know that one. Uh, so I'll I'll throw one from from uh, this uh, the Throwdown Thursday page. Uh, our buddy Nick said Evil Dead because they said mm. we have some money now. Let's do the same movie, but now with more money behind it. So basically, Evil Dead Two, Dead by Dawn, like the first five minutes is it's, it's the Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Uh, but I would say Army of Darkness is the superior. Well, and, and well, this Army of Darkness is mentioned, and we will touch base on that. Well, uh, he momentarily. said Evil Dead, so I wanted to. But I mean, Evil Dead is so good. It's scary. It's definitely it's a lower budget, surreal. but like, yeah, it's creepy. And then you but get they to some Evil amazing Dead. effects. Well, that's the thing. Like these practical effects on all of these films are just fantastic. I mean, you know, I, I expect nothing less from Sam Raimi at this point. Yeah. Uh, but the tone between Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, I just, I Evil Dead Two. They they managed to kind of wrap Evil Dead up in this nice little five-minute bow at the beginning of Evil Dead 2, and then they go in a completely different direction. They uh, infuse more humor into it. And more, like, gross comedy. 
and which really paves the way for Army of Darkness. Yes. Uh, but Evil Dead 2, it, it's solid. The scene with like all the little ashes. Is that am I thinking of? Is That's that Army, Army of Darkness. Of Darkness? Well, it's because, it's, they're, 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 well, it's because there's there's similar scenes. There's uh there's a scene in Evil Dead, uh, uh Evil Dead what Two. What am I thinking of? Well, I'm I'm explaining it. There's a scene in Evil Dead Two where his evil counterpart. This is what I was talking about. The evil counterpart That's attacks it. him through the mirror. So the first thing he does when he gets into the windmill is smash the mirror. Because he remembered what happened in the other one. Right. But all the little reflections of him come out and in that's get into him. It. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what you're it. thinking of. You're kind of yes. conflating the two things together. Yes. So our buddy filmmaker Joe Lemieux says Bride of Frankenstein, 1935. It expanded the world that James Wall envisioned of Goldstad, pushed the boundaries for special effects back then, and brought empathy to monsters to monster through his speech it is still my favorite horror movie of all time that's a solid pick that is a solid pick i wouldn't have actually no i'm not surprised coming from a guy who has boris karloff as the mummy as his profile picture uh but it's a again um frankenstein is so well done. Uh, Frankenstein is my my favorite. Well, I should say Frankenstein and the Bride mm. are my favorite Universal monsters. I love the story that they tell. You know, I, I think you know. For me personally, I believe we talked about this when we did our whole Universal monster um, yeah, a couple study years ago. a couple of years ago. But you know, I find that I can empathize. Or does he even sympathize with uh, Frankenstein more? Because he didn't ask to be here. Right, and let's and face it, none of us asked to be nobody here. Nobody taught him how to be who he was. Like you know, how to be like a person. Some of us are just trying to do the best we can with what we've got. And the universal the universal depiction is so much different from like the closer one would be the uh the De Niro depiction was mm. much closer to what Mary Shelley wrote and envisioned. Yeah, especially with the um, the fact that he could actual speak. Dis- yeah, so especially with the actual description of what the monster looked like. Yeah, like she, you know, she said he was a bunch of corpses sewn together. It wasn't like a guy with a with a flat top of his head and like bolts in his neck. But I think they were trying to figure out, uh, come up with a design that was really terrifying to more people. More practical as well. Right. Plus, it's Boris Karloff, so, you know. You know, and I love the design of the bride. Yes. There is something just so... They ripped off Marge Simpson <laughs> and just added a Because <laughs> obviously Marge Simpson came it first. It was only 56 years uh, earlier. There was, there's, there's something about the simplicity of her design, but the way that it's done, she's so beautiful and striking, yet there's something haunting about her. You know, the way that her hair kind of goes up in this beehive with the, you know, the, the lightning bolt, you know, the, the, the white stripes. The white streak, yeah. You know, going up. Um, you know, she's sewn together, but it's done in a more delicate and kind of prettier way. Yes. Kind of creating contrast between her and, you know, Frank, the, or I should say Frankenstein's monster. The creature. Um I just think it's I, I think it's so well done. I think it's a fantastic sequel. Yeah, it's definitely a um a contrast between the two like, you know, he's big and brutish and like, you know, all these scars and her scars aren't as 
pronounced and like they're like the stitches are smaller and uh so we have uh our good friend friend Amy Stolte who says Fear Farm uh because Fear Farm <laughs> 2 just, just came, out. came out and we haven't had a chance to watch it cuz life no one is ever awake um like we have enough time when we get home to eat or when I by the time I get home we have enough time to eat something watch half an hour of a TV show and go to bed so that's definitely on our radar. I uh, will probably pick it up soon. And we did a whole episode on the first one. Well, yeah. I mean, we had Miss Amy, Amy Stolte on. We had Dante. We had uh, Emily. On. Yeah. So uh, I forget what that episode is titled, but that was a fantastic episode. You know, we're probably just going to have to have Amy back on to talk about Fear Farm 2. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So our buddy Trey from Geektopia agrees with Evil Dead 2. He says, playing up the dark comedy was a huge win in my book, and the laughing deer head is one of the most hilariously haunting moments ever on film. There's a similar scene, uh, and I'm sure that they ripped off uh, Evil Dead, but there is a similar scene... In the George Harrison music video for I Got My Mind Set On You? No, I was going to say Dead Heat with Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo, where... I forget which one of them. I think it's Treat Williams. His his uh, na- his character's name is Roger Mortis, and like there's a scene where they're in a <laughs> they're in like a Chinese restaurant, uh-huh. and like all the ducks get reanimated, and so like the duck carcasses are like laughing like that. Like it's really weird, but yeah, they absolutely ripped off uh, the Evil Dead folks. So let's see, who do I have next? I have Coop. Our good friend Coop says uh, Terminator. I don't really consider Terminator horror. But, but, but I mean, like, we. It, so, it, I. If you want to consider it, because it's sci fi like, horror. It's horror adjacent. It's sci fi horror. Um, because. I mean, you can argue that Alien isn't horror. Uh, no, you can't. Well, I mean, you could. You'd be, you'd be way wrong. But I mean, but you could. Yeah, but it wouldn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all to argue that that's not horror. But you could. No. <laughs> no. But you could. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, Terminator is absolutely horror adjacent, so it counts. Yeah, I always say I can. Our buddy filmmaker Alex DiVincenzo says Night of the Living Dead has Dawn and Day of the Dead, all three of them classics in their own right. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh, Day of the Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time, and it has my favorite zombie, Bub, the action figure of whom you bought me many years ago and is still in his original packaging. I mean, like, Night of the Living Dead is great. It is a classic. It it still holds up. Um, There's something just eerie and haunting about it, but... Yeah. Bub. Bub is it. Like the whole scene with him, you know, trying to teach him and trying to almost like prove that there's still something human there. Yeah, that the zombieism is almost like a, a behavior that can be trained away. And like to see the differences between uh, Bub 
and then the horde of the hordes of zombies that we see. Yeah, like the the feral zombies for yeah. you know lack of a better term. Um, no, I I totally agree. Like there's uh, there's just something to it. Um, and you know you get to what's nice is you get to see the grad between night, dawn, day, and then land. Like you get to see the progression of the zombies getting more and more intelligent, and like, you know, under the leadership of Big Daddy, played mm-hmm. by uh, Eugene Clark. Yep. You get to see their eventual like, almost like, you know, especially at the end of that film where it's like they have like this acceptance. It's like we're gonna go our way, you go your way. We're just looking for a place. Um. So. Your sister, Shelby, has uh, also chimed in, and she said Halloween Town because it doesn't give me panic attacks. Yeah, so my sister likes the cutesy, kitschy part of Halloween. Uh, baby horror, so to speak. Um, she's not really big into the gore and the guts and the But like the, the paranormal and the Frankenweenies. Yeah, the, the Coraline, the Beetlejuice. You know, she can, she can do all of that. Nightmare Before Christmas. So uh, Halloween Town is definitely a fan... I mean, I, it's not a horror franchise, but it's definitely a Halloween movie franchise. Yeah, um, obviously. The... We see... There's the the first one, and then Halloween Town two, and then there's the third one, and then there's a fourth one. I think that one's Halloween, Halloween Town. Halloween Town four, the slashing. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think it's called Halloween Town High. Uh, that one not as good. Well, because it replaced a couple of the actors too. Uh, but the the Halloween Town trilogy one through three is pretty fantastic. Debbie Reynolds as the grandmother is she's just magical. And those I actually the last time I saw my sister we watched those over the weekend. You would so, but they're good. They're good movies. Just because they're not your cup of tea, they're, you haven't even seen them. You don't even know what they're about. I like tea. They're cute, and they capture the spirit of Halloween. They do have some really good creature concepts for like the people, like the the people of Halloween Town. Okay. And there's like the some, there's some yeah, and there's some slight. Oh, this is scary. I mean, scary to maybe a child, uh, but there Your are sister. some there are some creepy. She's not a child, scary. but there are some creepy elements to it as well. They do a pretty good job. All right. Uh, what do you got next on your list? So next on my list, our friend Joe says Halloween Three: Season of the Witch, a standalone sequel to a franchise that focus on one Michael Myers but went in another direction and killed it in a most positive way in my honest opinion and Tom Atkins is one of a kind the man the myth the legend yeah and if you've seen the memes that go around like every time somebody says they didn't like Halloween 3 Tom Atkins fucks their mom and uh, our buddy Monster Zero from Trick or Treat Radio chimed in with the same thing Halloween 3 season of the witch after 39 years it outscares out evils and out originates its overrated predecessors by a mile I need to see it still happy, I haven't happy seen Halloween, it. maybe Halloween, we'll watch that Halloween, on Friday happy happy Halloween silver shamrock maybe we'll watch that dun, Friday dun, 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 not if dun, you keep doing dun. that though um, 
All right, what what else? Let's see. What do I have? I have uh, Old Man Wade. Says Friday the Thirteenth. It started with a classic movie and continued with an unforgettable character. So I was having this conversation with our friend Chris McGibbon um, at Monster Expo, just kind of briefly, and I think that Friday the Thirteenth, as a whole entire franchise, is the most watchable franchise from start to finish and here's why it came up with a formula it stuck with that formula you know uh you're not except for i mean even when they went to space it still kind of stuck with that same you know formulaic outline that they had had set out and even with the the transfer of, you know, obviously in the first Friday the 13th, it's Pamela Voorhees, who is the killer, and the remainder of the franchise, it's Jason Voorhees. Um, it's still ultimately, the, it's the same driving force. It's the same for it, it just, and it works. It just works. And you're not watching these films, like even in the remake with uh, Derek, Derek Mears. Mears. It's the same formula. You're not watching this franchise. You're not watching most of these films for, you know, Oscar winning, you know, uh, uh, caliber acting and, you know, award winning storylines. And it's not going to change the fucking world. You know, it's just some really great entertainment. And I'm a gore whore. I love watching really intricate interesting fantastic creative kills on screen and i mean i'm sorry the sleeping bag kill there was uh, somebody cosplaying as that at yep. monster expo dressed up as jason had a bloody sleeping bag over his shoulder i mean that was just oh oh so good um our friend jimmy lambs from it came from the 508 says i have a very specific list of things i think make a perfect sequel expand on the mythology i said that earlier consistent continuity i said that earlier twist the audience's perception of things they assumed were true from the previous installment that does not mean completely contradict the, the continuity let me finish <laughs> That's why Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and Fright Night Part 2 are my favorites. They both hit all those points, had absolutely amazing cast, delivering the material, and did it with heaps of style. All right, that's fair. Now, to be completely honest, I haven't seen Fright Night 2. So I, I only just recently saw that. Fright Night, like within the last year or so. I haven't I haven't seen the remake either with Josh Hartnett, so I should probably get on that. But I did I thought really... it was Colin Farrell. Not yeah, Colin Farrell, not Will Farrell. Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Then what's Josh Hartnett in? 30 Days of Night. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. He was that's in that a film one. that happened too. That cold you feel ain't the weather. That's um, death approaching. So ben Foster was really good. Yeah, I don't have anybody else. Okay, so wrapping it up, we got a couple more. Uh, my friend Gene from high school says Nightmare on Elm Street. You know as well as I do, there's no stopping Freddy. He winks and laughs as Jason walks back. Oh, so he must be talking about... Freddy versus Freddy versus Jason. Fred D? Fred Durst? Fred, D? Fred Durst, yes. Fred Durst versus Jason. 
Uh, he did it all for the nookie. Um, he says, you know as well as I do, there's no stopping Freddy. He winks and laughs as Jason walks back into the water at Camp Crystal Lake. Um... He said, it's just, well, I mean, I don't he think was Holly, beheaded. He said, he said, I just don't think Hollywood got it right when they tried to redo the movie back in 2010. It's just unfortunate Robert Englund doesn't want to play the role anymore because of Wes Craven's death passing in, in 2015. He's also like um, 80. I mean, yeah, he's just, he's just done. Uh, but, I mean, you know, um, Freddy versus Jason was fun. The ending was supposed to be like they get well, pulled apart by Pinhead. Pinhead. Yeah. Like chains I'll come out of nowhere. Tear your soul apart. Um, that was the worst Pinhead. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Uh, and rounding out the last of these comments is Gail from the Scream Sisters. She says, this is so tough. Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors was amazing on the top of my head. Uh, the Devil's Rejects was a better movie than House of a Thousand Corpses. It was more polished, and the storyline was solid. The gore effects were way better, I too. agree on Evil Dead 2, but my favorite is really Army of Darkness out of the trilogy. It's the most fun, It's op- and it's open-ended for people to just jump in. See, for me... See, some of these were already on my list. You know, Dream Warriors, Army of Darkness. Halloween 3. Which I, again, haven't seen. But for my money, the best sequel uh, that wasn't already mentioned so far, my favorite one. What? Oh, you're pointing at the thing? No, because I... Well, 1981's or 1982's The Thing is technically a sequel to the movie that came out nearly 30 years after it. It became a retroactive sequel. But no, uh, it's a series that has some of the best practical effects that I've ever seen. You're talking about Jaws? No. Uh, Hellraiser 2. Jaws for the Revenge. Uh, Hellraiser 2 is fantastic. I love the fact that we get more of the backstory on Pinhead. Yes, we find out who he was, uh, Elliot Spencer. You know, how he became Pinhead. And the best part is uh, the end reveal when all the Cenobites get turned back into their original bodies and uh, the Chatterer is a child. Mm -hmm. Like that part, like that really fucks with you. And it's great because you get to see like what the Cenobites are capable of in the first film. Then in the second film, you get to see more of that and you kind of expand on the mythology and it brings Julia back, uh, brings Frank back a little bit, but there's some great, great stuff in that sequel. And, you know, then it just goes off the fucking rails in the next few movies. But like this was, so well done, and it picks up, like good sequels do, picks up right at the end of the first one. Like, I would also throw Halloween 2 in there, because Halloween 2 uh, takes to the point where Loomis shoots Michael seven times with his six-shooting six revolver, um, and then, like, you get to see what happens, and, like, there are some really creative kills in there, like... Michael drowning the the topless nurse in the boiling water, like that was pretty mm. good. Um, what about you? So, 
I'm like, what's kinda, on your list that hasn't been said? I know. Uh, few of them have been said already. Um, so because I knew that uh, there was going to be a lot of overlap between, you know, my list and stuff that other people have already mentioned, I kind of think the, decided to think outside the box, so to speak. And while this it's technically considered a franchise because there are multiple films and it's not technically horror like when you think horror you don't think of these films however when i mention this one film people the 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 majority of the reactions are oh those characters scared the hell out of me when i was a kid Oh, that scared me. Oh, that scared me. The Care Bears. Yes. I'm those sorry, the Scare Bears. Those fucking Care Bear cousins, man. I'm an intensive Care Bear. <laughs> I'm an I don't Care Bear. Uh, Return to Oz. Yes. Uh, it's not How a- many times do you mention Return to Oz and people are like, oh, the fucking Wheelers. The Wheelers in the Deadly Desert. The Wheelers, Mombi. Yeah. It's a chicken. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Now, I only watched this film for the first time last year. Last Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those like I can't believe that it took me this long to 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 watch it. Uh but the original Wizard of Oz, if you think about it, is absolutely fucking terrifying. The flying monkeys are one of the most terrifying creatures in all of cinema. The trees are trying to kill her by throwing apples at her their own like it'd be like if i took my fingers off and started throwing them at people no it'd be like if you had a baby and started throwing your baby at people like you just keep giving birth like baby throw baby throw quokkas do that (laughs) they will throw their babies at predators so they can run away (laughs) (laughs) but the i mean the original is just it's it's terrifying the wicked witch of the west and she's trying to kill Dorothy over a pair of shoes. Yeah, but she's got nothing on Mombi. But, well, but and that's what I'm saying. Like, they come out with Return to Oz. And, it and makes... the fucking Gnome King? Yes. And, like, if you don't get the question right, you get turned into a tchotchke? Yeah, a violet tchotchke. You Green, know, like, that. that's actually. terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying um and you know and it because they came out with the um well oz the great and powerful which it's a movie that happened so i mean it's technically it's a trilogy it's considered a franchise at this point but return to oz it's such a a saw i mean you know there obviously is some suspension of disbelief because of the the age of dorothy from the first one to the second one um well, she's about to, she's supposed to be about the same age. I know Feruza Balk is like younger, but Dorothy's supposed to be like ten or eleven years old. Right. They they really uh, granted like Judy Garland was like thirty five. She was sixteen. She was like thirty five. No, she was sixteen. Uh, she was like fifteen or sixteen. And what they what they put her through, oh, it's it's brutal, terrible, absolutely terrible the way they treated Judy Garland. Um, but yeah, so Return to Oz was definitely at the top of my list. See, I, I saw a sequel recently that, like, I wouldn't even say the original was that good, but the sequel was just 
Ugh. Um, Maniac Cop. Definitely a horror, you know, because, you know, we were talking about Bruce Campbell. I didn't realize he was in it. But, you know, talking about unstoppable, you know, serial killers and, and supernatural murderers, Maniac Cop is definitely... Uh, is definitely on that list. No, and I wouldn't put Jaws two as you know a, on my list of greatest sequels. Um, not not even Jaws four, The Revenge. I enjoyed Jaws four, The Revenge when I was eight when I first saw it. <laughs> like it does not hold up that well, but like I will continue to watch it because it's a Jaws movie and it has sharks and you know it it paid for uh, Michael Caine's houseboat or whatever. Like it's like, oh, I better make this movie. I've got house payments and boat payments and houseboat payments. Um, yeah, this is actually the second movie where a shark eats a helicopter, because it happened in Jaws two as well. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that up there on like best sequels. I would if I'm gonna do, you know, shark series. Uh, Deep Blue Sea three. Uh. Number two is terrible. Three is good. Three is almost as good as the original. Um, but what el- what else do you have on your list? Well, see, I'm trying to think because stuff that hasn't mine, been mentioned. Well, exactly, a lot of mine have already been said. Saw. I enjoy the Saw series. So, I think that the first three. Saw films. No, here's the thing. I like that. That's actually one of my favorite horror franchises. I like it as a whole There's overall. nine movies. But um, I want to say the first three are pretty solid. Nothing beats that first one, though. No, and the second one was never uh, was never supposed to be a sequel. That was a totally different movie. Like, But they adapted it into a Saw sequel. But... I will say that the second one, that twist with Amanda, mm. you know, didn't see it coming. No, did not see that coming at all. Uh, I will also throw because I know you haven't seen these, but I will, and I just recently watched them. Phantasm. Uh, I will throw the Phantasm series out there. Very good. Uh, Resident Evil. I know this is kind of an unpopular opinion because they're not even remotely close to the games, uh, but I liked the Resident Evil series. Um. You know, the first one was good, but, like, they definitely expanded on the mythology and, like, you know, did a lot with what what characters they had. Although some of the characters just, like, inexplicably disappeared. Bride of Chucky. Okay. In my opinion, that is the best film of the Chucky franchise. See, I, I, I don't think I've seen most the of those. The intro of Tiffany, you know, Jennifer Tilly, was fantastic. I've seen... Bonnie Swanson? I think I've seen all of them at some point. I don't... I think I've I seen... I mean, like, The Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky. There's a, a, a Chucky uh, television series happening right now. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it yet. I probably, I'll probably wait to binge it at some point. Uh, I do plan on checking it out because I do really enjoy Jennifer Tilly. But there's just something so fun and campy about Bride of Chucky. And, I mean, it's... it's they, like the dolls have sex and that's just stupid and weird and yeah but like 
the way that they they do everything you know they kidnap this couple they're trying to you know uh pretty much because their spirits are in the dolls obviously so they're trying to like you know put their spirits much take into over the yeah. this this couple uh it's just you it's know the a whole point of, of the franchise like since andy was in the first one um it's just fun. I really enjoy it. I mean, See, I'd there's have, nothing. I'd have to know, watch them. I don't think I've seen them all the way through. I mean, the the first. I mean, the first one's decent. You know, obviously it sets everything up. Um, you know, the the fact that this doll comes to life and starts trying to kill this child. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw one out that uh, I just thought of because I thought. It's like oh, I, I like you forget that they're connected sometimes because we watch them so far apart. But I'm gonna go uh, the box sequel to uh, One Last Kill. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you want to see that, you can go to uh, it came from the 508. You can get that on uh, Direct, and that's D I E Direct. You can get all their all their stuff streaming on Vimeo, or you can buy the physical copies like we did because we're awesome. And you could be awesome too. Yeah, not as awesome as us because you know we had them way before it was cool. But you know. But I mean, and I, totally not just saying that because you know they're friends of ours, but it's a really solid uh, set of films. Uh, the box has one of the greatest montage scenes of. <laughs> All fucking time. Oh my God. And I'm not even like remotely, <laughs> remotely exaggerating. No, it, it's true. It's true. Bob Mendel on a cliff doing karate while being uh, uh, like the camera is mounted on a drone. Like it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's beautiful. It's like the editing is perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's. The choreography it, is flawless. Yeah, Bob is phenomenal in that in that specific scene, and uh, I I cannot stress enough how how amazing that is. Um, I think that's a fantastic film to wrap up on. I think so too. I mean, it's not going to get any better than that, really. So we're going to take a quick break, and if you think of anything else you want to you know let us know in the in the group or an email. Throw it on Thursday podcast at gmail.com. Let us know, and uh, we'll be right back. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? Do have a free. The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs, from horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Ephes for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Woo! 
Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Hey, this is Andre Gower from the Monster Squad and Wolfman's Got Nards, a documentary, and you are listening to Throwdown Thursday. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. And we're back, uh, in case you didn't know, because of, uh, you know, how it compares to uh, Ash's rendition. Uh, that was the uh, Silver Shamrock commercial from ha- Halloween 3. It's Silver so, Shamrock Shake. Uh, That's what McDonald's should come out with. With real silver. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed the uh, the list of sequels that you, uh, you folks submitted to us and then like the stuff that we threw out because we were trying to come up with stuff that you guys didn't so it was difficult because there's you know a lot of there are a lot of horror franchises out there and not a lot of them have like the Hostel series not amazing especially Hostel 3 you know certain ones are not are not very good Um, you know like I mentioned Maniac Cop but, Pretty much uh, any time a horror franchise goes to space, it's all over. I mean, unless like it's taking place in like like, like alien, alien, like it's space movie. Well, uh, then you have you Leprechaun. Know. There's five Leprechauns, and two of them are in the hood. Mm. It's le- it's in the hood, then space, then back to the hood. It's like oh, all right. Well, Warwick Warwick Davis must have had some boat payments that were outstanding as well. <laughs> So, we're going to wrap this up with, uh, you have a a sort of a wine. Sort of a wine. So, if you've been going on my journey with me this past year, I've been kind of branching out and partaking of a little less wine and partaking of a little more ciders. And I've mentioned this name before, and I'm going to mention it again, Down East Cider. They're located in Massachusetts. They do ship worldwide. No, I don't know, worldwide. But but within, I believe, within the continental U.S. anyway. All throughout space. 
Yes, they're going to space. Uh, they have a new seasonal cider that I'm currently drinking, and found a few days ago. It is re- like yeah, found it on accident. Didn't even see like a, you know, because obviously we were stocking the cider donut flavor, which you know what, worth it, totally worth it. Plan on picking up a couple more boxes uh, and continue to pick up boxes when I can find it. Because uh, that is a seasonal flavor. That will be discontinued. Um, this is good. So it is Down East Blueberry. It's like a blueberry pie flavored uh, cider. And the description on the side says, Blueberries and pie, delicious. Blueberries and muffins, delicious. Blueberries and pancakes, delicious. Blueberries and cider, trend continues. It is good. It tastes like a blueberry. I mean, obviously, it's really heavy on the blueberry flavor, but you still get the apple, like, cidery flavor to it as well. It tastes like a blueberry apple pie. It really does. It's like a kind of like a apple cidery, sugared blueberry flavor. I'm not doing it justice with this explanation, by the way. Um, really not. It is really good. It's it's very fruity, very berry, obviously. Um, it tastes like pie. Sometimes blueberries can have a little bit of a tart flavor to it. I think that's why I described it as sugared blueberries, because sometimes blueberries can be rather tart. This is the blueberry flavor without all of that tartness. Yeah, it, it almost tastes like... What fake blueberry tries to be? It's like blueberry pie filling. Yes. Uh, but like in drinkable cider form. It's, it's really, really good. good. So if... Yeah, we happened to see it and I was like, have we tried this? And you were like, no. no <laughs> but we're going to. Let's get some. Uh, yeah. So if anything I've said sounds interesting to you, uh, it's definitely worth seek, uh, seeking out, uh, picking up. I almost said... Scoop uh, it up. <laughs> I almost said like searching and seeking and my tongue didn't know what it was doing. Seek and destroy. Yeah. Just just drink the goddamn stuff. It's good. They they yeah, I haven't had a bad site. We've they've had a ton of different flavors. Their iced tea is great, their iced tea and lemonade is great. Cider donut, obviously, if you're uh going to be in the area in the next few weeks, like I don't know how much more cider donut. But that has been uh, everywhere in abundance, but this blueberry stuff, I think, may be my favorite. Really? Yeah, uh, and we've had a lot of them. The sangria, we've had, sangria like I said, was good. Yeah. the iced tea, we've had the, the pineapple, the pineapple, the pumpkin. I didn't care for the pumpkin. The strawberry. The, the regular lemonade, because they did lemonade, they did lemonade iced tea, and then they did iced tea. But but yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Yeah. Nice little, nice little break from wine. Um, so I'm going to dive into our next segment, which will be our final segment for today. Because I don't have any science because I'm too sleepy. You haven't really had a chance to watch anything recently. No, most of my, most of my free time has gone to uh, attempting to sleep. And that's, that's roughly it. Like, 
You should see the studio room. There are just piles of no, clothes No, you shouldn't everywhere. see the studio room because I'm... it's a mess. But anyways, so for this segment of What You Watching, I'm going to talk about my... I want to say it's not my... It's It's been a, an obsession of mine for the past couple of years. I'm really excited that there's a new season. I am talking about Dragula. This is the Boulay Brothers Dragula. It is... Uh, the search for America's next super monster. It is drag to the nth degree. It is fabulous. It is fantastic. It is filthy. It is horror. It is glamour. It is everything. Like it's camp. It's it's creepy. It's scary. It's disgusting. It is everything that I could ever want uh in one show it's a competition series and as of right now so we are currently on season four episode two just aired i watched it prior to recording this and uh oh we get to see a familiar face which makes me so happy uh i'm i'm really loving some of these contestants very creative the names are fantastic uh one in particular her name is sigourney beaver and what's funny is uh she's an afab queen and if you don't know afab means assigned female at birth she is a female drag queen you know female female impersonator uh so it just makes her name all that more hilarious. And I dig it. Fun. Uh, but anyways, it's so nice having this show back. Um, the current season, season four, you can find on Shudder, which is a fabulous home for the Belay Brothers because they fit in perfectly. Uh, prior to season four, I believe it was last year uh, because they took covid precautions and stuff they did a kind of like a film um like mini series type uh special type thing where it's called Resur- you know the dragula resurrection and they brought back some of the former contestants to compete and kind of uh earn another stab haha <laughs> uh another shot at being in the competition and that's fantastic. You can find that on Shutter too. Uh, seasons two and three, I'm currently you know rewatching those. They are on Netflix, uh, and they will continue to be on Netflix until October 31st. I don't know if they will be going to Shutter as well, um, or where they will end up. And I cannot find the first season anywhere. I don't know if it's available somewhere online. It used to be available on, um, I think, Amazon Prime. I I think it was available on Hulu, too, at one point. uh, But I can't find it anywhere right now. Um, But this season, I mean, season one winner, Vander Von Odd, is an incredible performer. Definitely a look queen. Very dramatic. Very creepy. Season two winner, Bitch Puddin, is definitely more of a performance queen. Uh, She's hilarious. She's camp. She is definitely, um, you know, she's a a look queen, too. She does some great looks, but uh, but she's a a great campy queen. And season three winner gave us a drag king, Landon Sider. Great name. Which is probably one of the best 
drag king names out there. Um, it's it's on par with Oliver Klozoff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that's also a uh, Bart Simpson joke. But uh, so I'm really excited. The cast is fantastic. Uh, these. The, the production value has definitely increased this past year. It, it increases with each season as the show gets more popular. Obviously, more money is thrown at it. You can do more stuff with it. Uh, but it's just so if you love if you love just super campy, sticky, dirty, disgusting drag, uh, or if you just like to be entertained, definitely tune in to Dragula on Shutter. I just, I can't get enough of it. And I haven't been watching anything because I'm always uh, not able to watch stuff. Although, I will say that some of the stuff I've seen on the set of The Woundwood, I am super excited to see. Uh, so keep an eye out for that sometime next year. Because uh, it's not coming out anytime soon. We're going into post-production now. So, yeah. Um so that's about that. <laughs> that about, about wraps, wraps it, up. it up. Yeah, because we time will be for bed. back next week with an all new episode. I pinky promise. But until then, we, we will, will see you, you next Thursday. Thursday.